I, I really want you to, if, if at all possible, to stay with me in this series. Just keep in mind that what I'm going to be talking about this evening is just introductory. This is an introductory message. We're going to be setting out some parameters, and we're going to be talking about a very needed subject, but this is just introductory. You know, I, I hope you don't feel like I've advertised the steak, and this is just the sizzle. But, but I, I needed to talk about this particular subject first before I get into uh, some of the main messages that I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, we have handouts right here. Anyway, uh, as I said, this is this uh, inter introductory message, and uh, and then we're going to be getting into some what I feel like is uh, excellent content. We're going to be examining what the scripture has to say in this particular area and subject. But but uh, uh, and, and then next week, next week, next Sunday evening, we're going to participate in what I what has been called the concert of prayer, which is uh, just a, a wonderful. Uh, prayer exercise, and um, it really is a, a blessing when we can participate in, in, in that, and I'll, t I'll talk more about that uh, next Sunday evening, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, let me just say, every single revival, every single revival down through church history to the present uh, can be traced to prayer. It's really true. Now, we know this because we've been around the church and we've read books about prayers and you've heard messages about prayers and preachers have brought, talked about prayer and et cetera, et cetera. But usually what happens is, is that, yeah, I've heard about prayer and I know about prayer, but for some reason I don't pray. You know, I, I just don't pray and, and I get real busy in my life or whatever, or my prayers become very, very perfunctory. Isn't that true? Prayers can become very perfunctory and after a while we feel like we're in a, ro a rote or we're in a, you know, just a, in, in a ditch someplace and we're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And, um, but the Apostle Paul said this, he said, be vigilant in prayer and then he said, pray without ceasing. Now, John Wesley who uh, is the great holiness preacher and theologian. And John Wesley saw two major revivals sweep across two continents, across England and the United Kingdom, what we call the United Kingdom, and then also across America. And this is what John Wesley said. He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin, <laughs> fear nothing but sin, and desire nothing but God, and I care not whether they be clergy or whether they be laypersons, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. God does nothing but in answer to prayer. We can have the programs. We can have the perfunctory things. We can have all of the things in place or whatever it may be. But if there isn't genuine uh, prayer, uh, earnest Prayer, earnest, passionate, that's a good word, passionate prayer, little or no will be accomplished in the kingdom of God. Now, again, we know this because we've heard messages about this, we've read books about it, uh, we've studied the Bible about this subject. Why then is the church so weak when it comes to prayer? Well, because, simply put, effective prayer is not, is not merely a work of, of human intellect. It's not just merely a work of human, human intellect or, or good organization or the, the saying of words. And, and these are needed. There's nothing wrong with organizing and there's nothing wrong with uh, 
with uh, uh, saying uh, with passion words and, and organizing, etc., etc. Et, et, et but prayer, listen to this, should be and can be in all-consuming expression that requires the anointing and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That require, uh, requires the anointing and the leadership of, of the Holy Spirit. And um, one of the things I've discovered fresh and new is that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, as a man, needed to pray. Now, we know that Jesus was 100% man and he's 100% God. We know that uh, Jesus is God wrapped in the flesh. We know this. And yet, sometimes we forget about the humanity of Jesus Christ. We forget forget about him and uh, and and how human he was. He was not only 100% God, but he was also 100%. Can, can we help you with something? Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, and so... Um, So Jesus needed to pray. Uh, he needed to pray. And, and, and that God the Father, he always heard Jesus' prayers. Now, why is this? Why did God always hear Jesus' prayers? Well, you say because he's 100% God. <laughs> no. Why did Jesus Christ see the miraculous so much? Oh, because he's 100% God. <laughs> why were so many lives saved and why were so many lives impacted? Well, first of all, because Jesus did have what we call the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 3, a very, very familiar passage in Scripture. Luke chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 21 and 22. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now, I want to set the scene for this particular passage in Scripture. And I, I want to give you the background here. Jesus Christ was 30 years old before he began his public ministry. 30 years old. Now, you've heard some people say, I started preaching when I was 16 or 17. And you've heard other people, I heard a general superintendent this last week said he started, actually, he started preaching when he was 19 years of old, years of age, and he had his first pastorate when he was 21 out someplace in Texas, someplace West Texas, 21. But Jesus himself was not, uh, he, he didn't begin his public ministry until he was 30 years of age. As far as we knew, he grew up, again, in this obscure village raised by a carpenter father. And up to this time, he grew in stature and in wisdom uh, with man. But, but he had not begun his official ministry. No lives had really been impacted, as far as we know, up to that point. No life-changing messages. No calling of the disciples. No miracles. And at 30 years of age, Jesus goes to his cousin, John the Baptist, and, uh, and, and is baptized in the Jordan River. Now, notice what happens immediately in verses 21 and 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was being baptized too. And notice, as he was praying, as he was praying, if that doesn't jump out to you, it really should, because as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. You say, Pastor Ron, well, uh, he could, this could have happened without him praying. No, it says, as he was praying, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And notice, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now, 
I don't want to discount the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is 100% God and he's 100% man. But I want to suggest to you that at this particular time, that Jesus Christ needed to pray and he needed the anointing of God the Father from heaven. This is what we read. This is what scripture says. Jesus cried out and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus Christ in a special anointing and fullness. Now, um, you know, it is what it is. We can go back and forth and we can argue how much he, how much he, you know, he was already God. He, he was God wrapped in the flesh and how much God uh, was already in his life, etc., etc. But we see a connect here between Jesus starting his public ministry and Jesus praying and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that came upon his life. We see this. And through prayer, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit for ministry. Now, I want you to turn with me, same book, different chapter, and I want you to look at verses 18 and 19 with me. What was the result of his anointing? What was the result of his public ministry? Well, a short while later, on the Sabbath day, standing in a Jewish synagogue, Jesus stands and happens to read the particular passage for that morning. Remember the Jewish people, they read scripture on a regular basis whenever they met together for their services, and it just happened to be that Jesus was there that particular morning, and he was asked to read scripture, and it just happened that he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. They didn't have books, they had scrolls. And he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, and he said these words in verses 18 through 19. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because he has anointed me. Notice that word anointed. I've got the special blessing of God upon me. This is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. When did the Spirit of the Lord came on him, come on him in fullness? We just got through reading about it. After he prayed. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, that's exactly what Jesus did. He healed people. He touched their lives. He healed their souls. But church, it all began with prayer. Prayer and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And his anointing continued throughout his prayer life. Now, we know in Acts chapter 1-8 that when Jesus left, or right before he left, uh, he said, my Holy Spirit will come upon you in power and fullness. And then he wanted them to go into the upper room. Now, we in the evangelical church are often afraid, are not afraid, but we are fearful to talk about this particular passage of Scripture because our charismatic brothers and sisters um, often talk about this in association with speaking other languages or tongues. But we don't have to be afraid of this particular passage of Scripture to talk about this and to realize that when we receive the fullness of God in our life, we have a special anointing. And we, it says, uh, to anoint us to be a witness, a witness in, our, uh, in, in the way we live our life and the way in which we can testify about Jesus Christ. There's a special anointing that happens to individuals that are filled with the Spirit of God. Power. You receive power. Uh, dunamos, dynamite, the Greek word, uh, is dynamite, dunamos, to, to be my witnesses, Jesus said. To be a witness, not only in how we live our lives, a holy life, but 
in, in, in the opportunity and the anointing to share about Jesus with other people. He says, you'll have power to be my witnesses. And we know from that particular passage of Scripture that these fellows went into the upper room and they begin to pray. Now, prayer always precedes anointing and prayer, special anointing, and prayer always precedes uh, revival. Always. They were in the upper room praying with one another. Now, many people ask the question, what were they doing in the upper room? Well, they were praying, and many biblical scholars believe that they were also confessing. Confessing to one another. Because there was disunity, and there was some jealousy that was there, and there were some things that were happening in their particular lives and situation that wasn't just right. And, uh, and we believe that in that upper room, that they came to the place where they just got rid of self. And they wanted God's will more than anything else. They wanted God's will more than anything else. Now, in Jesus' ministry, um, well, I, I just want to go back to, to Jesus' ministry. Remember, he, he rolled, uh, unrolled the scroll of Isaiah, and, and uh, he said, um, you know, I, I, all these things, I've been anointed for all these things. And, and, and then he went and he got involved in, in special ministry. And, uh, and then, do you remember that particular scene that he had with Lazarus? Uh, and Lazarus' uh, sister said, Lord, why didn't you and your disciples show up sooner? Why didn't you come sooner? Uh, where were you? Why did, why did you come sooner? Because he's dead. He, he's brain dead. He's heart dead. He's dead, dead. He's dead as a doornail, as the saying says. And uh, with his disciples in the crowd, looking on, standing before the tomb, after he had them roll the stone away, something interesting happens. More than just the fact that Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. It was what happened before and what happened. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And then Jesus prayed an amazing prayer. And this is recorded in John chapter 11. And uh, you can turn there if you want or you don't have to. But John chapter 11, verses 41 and 42. John 11, 41 and 42. And notice what Jesus says. This is amazing to me. Jesus is 100% human here. He's been anointed for ministry. And he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then what does he say? I know that you always hear me, but I just said it out loud so people will believe that you sent me. Isn't that interesting? You always hear me, Jesus said. Now, you've heard me say this for the last couple of weeks, but I really believe it's true. God doesn't have favorites, but the Lord has intimates. He doesn't have favorites, but he has intimates. And Jesus and God the Father, because of the anointing and because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and because he had history, Jesus said, you always hear me. You always hear me. Now, I, I want to say right now, this anointing that we're talking about, being filled with the Spirit, uh, sanctification, baptism, whatever terminology you use, uh, uh, is not a blank check to be issued to us by God. We we can pray for we can't we can pray for anything and uh, and and God will uh, often answer but not always. We 
you know, there's a disconnect often. We don't understand it all because um, we don't have a blank check. You know, some people say, we well, got a blank check. Well, you know, not, uh, you know, you have to always qualify what they're talking about. We pray uh, in the spirit. We're trying to pray for things to happen, God's will to be accomplished. And we believe that many things we pray for that God wants us to pray about and for. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have a blank check. And there's a mystery with that, and I don't have the time to go into that. But this is this is what we see in Jesus' life. We see after his anointing, he was supremely devoted to prayer. You say, Pastor Ron, didn't he ever pray before? I'm sure he did. But there is a direct correlation between his anointing and between his public ministry and between uh, and, 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 and that all that happening there. From the Jordan River, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to do what for an intense period of time of prayer and fasting? For, for he, to, to pray and to fast. From the Jordan River, he was led by the Holy Spirit to go out there. And for over a month, Jesus was in a prayer retreat, and Jesus continued to pray throughout his ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 44, verse 44 tells us that he went to a solitary place on a regular basis to pray. A solitary place. In Luke 6:12, Jesus went to a mountainside and spent the night praying to God. In Luke 9:28, he took his disciples to a mountain for prayer. Um, now, people can't believe that Jesus prayed so much. You know, um, well, what would he say, and 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 what would he do during during his prayer time, and and uh, what were the things that were going on, and 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 how could he pray so much? Well. You know, the only thing I can say is is that when you, if you enjoy, this is true, when you enjoy spending time with someone, whether it's your wife or husband or whether it's a best friend or son or daughter, when you really enjoy spending time with that person, uh, after a while you get comfortable with them and you want to spend time with them. And the more you spend time with them, the richer your relationship grows. And that's the only way I can explain it. And yes, uh, there have been times where uh, our prayer lives can be, get dry. And there are some times that we can get in a rut or whatever it may be. And there are other times that we get discouraged because we feel like our prayers are hitting the ceiling and bounce, bouncing back down. But what I found out during these particular times often is, is that we just have to often just, there's some minor adjustments, not major adjustments. It's just minor and this is what I want to be talking about. I want to be talking about, in the next few weeks, some minor, minor adjustments. And for some of us, it may be major, but for some minor adjustments, how to get out of the rut that we can find ourselves in, how to get out of this drought that we find ourselves in, and how to really feel like we're connecting with the Lord and how we can see God working in our situation and in the lives around us. I want to be talking about these things. Uh, and then I want to begin to have a concert of prayer, corporately concert of prayer, uh, where we can spend time as a church, starting on Sunday evening, and um, and we can we can begin to implement some of these things. Now, some of you are already thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I just don't know about that. I might be too embarrassed to do that, or it might be too stretching for me, or or, or I might be uncomfortable. No, 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 no. It won't be uncomfortable. It won't be stretching for you. It, it, it'll be it'll be great, and you'll enjoy it. You'll really enjoy it. I know you will. It's it, it's it's neat. I, I got to tell you that um, um, 
In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, in my paraphrase, to his disciples, he says, I want you to go to the upper room until you're empowered with the Holy Spirit, until you're endued with power. And his disciples did. Now, after Jesus went back into heaven, they went up in the upper room, as I said earlier, and they began to pray, and they prayed with earnestness, and they prayed with passion, and they sought what the Bible says, and, and they, they were with one accord in supplication. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, came in fullness upon them. And, um, uh, and there was a change in their lives as well. Prayer always brings a change. In us, in the situations that we find ourselves in, there's always a change. Always. I, I just want to close um, with this. There, there's been a, um, there was a man at the convalescent center that I have been talking with and ministering to. And this man, every time I talked to him about the Lord, he would talk about UFOs. He, he would talk about UFOs. And, and he would talk about seeing little green men when he was a child. And um, uh, What do you call those little green things you got some of you mentioned a name out just throw it out loud smurfs uh gremlins gremlins uh what pardon me yeah 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 he 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 said he saw these now and then, and then he then we would be able to talk about the lord but he would always go back to this and he 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 um he was hung up on on genesis um is it uh, I, I think it's Genesis chapter 6. Remember where in Scripture it says that basically um, the, um, the sons of God had relations with the... With the, uh, with the um, it's not women of God. The terminology is something else there. Uh, sons of God had relations with, with the daughters of men. Thank you, with the daughters of men. And somehow he got that in his mind that um, these uh, UFO guys came down, you know, whatever it may be. So so I, here I am, I, I'm praying because, you know, people often go down rabbit trails. When you talk about, when you talk about the Lord, they go down the rabbit trails, but you have to temporarily talk about the rabbit trail so you can get to the get to the where you're trying to go to so we talked about this for a moment and and i looked in and 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 had a good commentary with me and i looked at that particular passage of scripture and it says oh yeah you know you know um it has nothing to do with like a lot of people believe angels coming down and having sexual relations the angels are of just different order it doesn't make sense they're of a different order they can have sexual relations and uh, the sons of god many scholars believe it's the sons of seth the sons of seth and the uh, daughters of men, they're thinking that it was the from the line of um, Abel, uh, uh, Cain, that killed Abel. In other words, they were from an unrighteous line, and they were, and the others were from a righteous line, and they had 
sexual relationships with one another. And then later on it talks about Nephitilium, which are giants, you know, which we believe that the, where Goliath eventually came from because we read that in the hill country, when they win the promised land, they encounter giants, okay, all that stuff. So we had to go through all that. So I talked with him uh, a couple of times. And finally, I prayed a specific prayer. And I just said, Lord, help me through the power of your Holy Spirit to break through this convoluted rabbit trail thinking. This man is dying and he needs you. And finally I looked at him and I said, I called him by name, and I said, is your heart troubled? Is your heart troubled? And I'm praying the whole time. Is your heart troubled? Tears. I said, you need the Lord in your life, Charles. You need God's peace. And then I was able to share. And it, it finally sunk in. But you, you don't know all of the different uh, thoughts and arguments the Bible says that are thrown up. And it comes from themselves. It comes from the enemy of our soul. So it's through the power of prayer that we can often see people uh, work, God work in their lives. And uh, and it was great because uh, I got to pray with them. And what a transformation just in that little bit of prayer that we prayed with one another. And he did put his faith and trust in the Lord and wept tears of joy. And um, so um, let's pray together right now.